0: he'll return to your place as we'll sing again this morning.
1: Good morning everybody. My name is Pastor Rick. I uh, just glad to be back. We had a good trip to Mexico and uh, quite a few members of our team are here today and that's that's been we just had a fantastic trip and we want to be grateful and thankful to you for your prayerfulness, keeping us going through prayer, giving so that we could make that trip possible. We were down near Puerto Vallarta for a few days, and then uh, then we had a bus trip up to Guadalajara, which was about seven hours. And uh, because our flight was canceled, we took the bus. So everybody everybody really did well. Uh, just God God worked in so many ways. We got to share the gospel, hand out some Bibles, and talk to people. Uh, we had a really neat um, carne asada time with a family down on the coast Just people that we were meeting at, right there and, and where we were staying and then up at Guadalajara, our purpose for going there was to be with the church first of all in Guadalajara and then be a part of a youth camp so we went to a youth camp. There were 100 campers. And a lot of our pastors and their wives and families were there. And uh, I was really proud of our team. They jumped in and served. Language is a barrier. But these guys just jumped in and served. And, and, and God used them for his glory. We did have like 23 kids uh, say they wanted to accept Christ during the week, so that was a big praise. And uh, our team was a part of that. Um, Each one had a different place in in the youth camp, sharing, serving, uh, giving testimonies, doing devotionals at 7 o'clock in the morning, Uh, just a blessed time. Uh, with our Mexican nationals. So uh, thank you for allowing us to go and for your part in that, in giving and praying. And uh, this last week we also had an FCA camp here at uh, NC. And I guess several of those kids gave their lives to Christ as well. Thank you for serving uh, in FCA. That's a real blessing. I guess, J.C., you were a big part of that, weren't you? Yeah, well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Pray for those kids that uh, gave their lives to Christ and pray that God would continue his work in them. Father, thank you for all you've done this past week and all you're going to do in our lives uh, this summer. God, you've done amazing and mighty things you gave us the real opportunity just to go be a part of the ministry in Mexico this last week. Thank you for the team that you raised up. Thank you for every one of those uh, team members gave their testimonies, shared, uh, walked with people, talked with people, uh, served in different areas. Even washing dishes, Lord, was just a, a blessing just to be a part of that but then devotionals and uh, handing out Bibles and talking to people, sharing our lives with them and sharing about Christ. So amazing, Lord, uh, what you can do through those who just are willing to serve. Father, thank you for the FCA camp. Thank you for those who are saved there. Thank you for all the contacts and lives were impacted through that. And we just give you all the, all the glory for all you've done. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share in uh, offerings this morning as the men come up and we, we take the offering. I pray that you would use that for your glory. But most of all, we we love you and thank you for the word of God. Thank you for Pastor Mike and his ministry. Just pray that you would use him today to, as he shares the word of God with each one of us, that we would be attentive That you would get the glory and that um, even if there's someone here that's not saved, Lord, that they would hear the gospel and respond to it. We love you and thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the men can come forward.
0: this morning. a piece from Hebrews Hebrews 2 for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying I will proclaim your name to my brethren In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. The author of Hebrews here is quoting from Psalm 22. What a sweet picture someday when Jesus will be in the midst of us and will be singing his Father's praise. Let's sing God's praise this morning for the work that Jesus did on the cross.
2: for all of you that served and gave of your time and everything else. Thanks for just being faithful. I mean, I love that. I love that last song, not because it's kind of an old hymn that we're used to. Sometimes some of the older ones maybe are used to it, but, but because of what it means, you know, to cling to the old rugged cross, uh, to really think about the gospel. We've been talking about the gospel the last few weeks, and you know, it's it's kind of just I don't know in some ways exciting, in some ways kind of humbling. You know, we've talked about conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And, you know, that should really mean something to us. I mean, the gospel should mean something to us. Those that are here that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when we talk about the gospel, it should, man, it should encourage us, it should humble us, it should cause us to worship, it should cause us to do a lot of things, because it's the good news, like, The good news, and and I've realized in the last few weeks as I've talked about what does it mean to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, that that maybe we don't talk enough about the gospel in that. I mean, because sometimes um, we just kind of grow complacent about the gospel. Uh, We don't really think about it and rethink about it and then rethink about it as much as we should, you know, the gospel is this incredible truth that says there is a, a living God, and we could break all this down, and I could take tons of time to talk about each part of this, but there, there's only one God, there's not multiplied gods, we are not gods, there's one God, you read the Bible and the book of Genesis, and he spoke and created the world, I mean, he spoke, it, it wasn't hard for him He created it in beauty and purpose and and made man in his image and woman in his image. And and there's this holy God that at some level, you know, is self-contained and is responsible and accountable to no one. Right? He's God. He's creator, master, Lord, ruler of everything. And we sinned against him. All of us sinned against him every single one of us sinned against him not a little bit you know we talk about you know i got saved when i was four or five and i wasn't really a sinner oh no no at four or five you were a full-blown sinner you know i know don't want to burst your bubble some of you overprotective parents just went oh my baby's not a sinner you know he is you know she is we're sinners and we might joke about that a little bit, but that's no joke to God. And the gospel says this holy God, who is accountable to no one, can do whatever he wants to, is pure and just, and would have been just to condemn the lot of us. said, so, no, I love them. I love them. And so in order to save them, in order for me to be just, in order for me to justify sinners, I'm going to send my son, my holy son, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. He's going to willingly lay down his life to take the punishment we deserved to become our sin so that through faith in him we can be saved. That's the gospel. It's not small. It's earth-shattering. It's life-changing. And quite honestly, until we really begin to see the glory of the gospel until we begin to see how incredible it is what about what God has done for us until we really be, begin to to see the depth of God's love and the, the depth of God's mercy and the depth of God's grace and his patience with us we're not really going to see how glorious God is and until we see how glorious God is until we understand the gospel that's flowed from this glorious God then we're not going to live and conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel because the gospel doesn't seem to mean anything to us, which is crazy to me. Because if you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then, then you know the gospel means something to you. You know the gospel changed your life. You know that you were a different person. Once you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, everything changed. And, I, and I'm not just even telling you what the what the Bible says. I mean... I tried to quote this verse earlier and and failed, but I think I got it now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm thankful I'm awake enough to remember a verse I've known for 40 years. But anyway, it's just kind of crazy to me that, that we are new creations and that if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know that the moment you trusted him, everything became new for you. You knew you had a different master. You knew you had a different purpose. You knew you had a different peace. You knew you had a different life. You knew you had a different power. But, you know, part of the problem when we talk about living in a manner worthy of the gospel is, is that there's too many people that say today they know Jesus is Lord and Savior, but it never changed them. There's no chance you're going to live in a manner worthy of the gospel without that salvation and that transformation. It's not going to happen. But the other part of it is, is that too many of us have now known Christ enough. You know, we've, I love it when people tell me they've matured enough that it no longer impacts them. That's not maturity, by the way. That's sin. That's apathy. That's indifference. That's selfishness. And if Christ is in you, right, then the gospel should be precious to you Because you know the difference that he makes, not just in the past, but today. And so we're going to talk a little more about walking in a manner worthy of the gospel today in Philippians chapter two. We're going to continue on. And uh, we're going to talk about working out our salvation today and such such a powerful, sweet, incredible thought that God has called us to this morning. Philippians chapter two, beginning of verse 12. So then my beloved... Just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning just for the privilege of being here the privilege of of worshiping together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the privilege of coming into your presence and celebrating the great gospel, the good news of your salvation, and thanking you for what you've done. I I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look into your word and to hear your word, and I pray that you would speak today. It, It doesn't need to be me, Lord. I don't want it to be me. I pray you'd speak Through me. And I pray that you'd call us, Lord God, to the beauty, to the depth, to the responsibility of working out our salvation and how you want to use that in this world. I certainly do pray for those that don't know Christ here today that today might be the day of their salvation as they think about you and your glorious goodness. And I pray that you'll be glorified in all we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here we come to this great passage, and I, I, have, I have appreciated just walking through these passages again. Philippians is an incredible book. They're all incredible books. And, and this passage is just systematically kind of seeing what God is saying to us as followers of Christ about this gospel and how to conduct ourselves in this gospel is powerful. I mean, we learned, first of all, that in order to do this, we do it together. Uh, we learned that we stand firm in one spirit. I love that thought. We stand firm in one spirit together. Not shaken, not moved, not indifferent, we stand firm in one spirit for the gospel. Right? That's our purpose is to stand firm in one spirit to the gospel for the gospel, striving together with one mind. I and I love that for the faith of the gospel. In other words, we're striving together, so we're standing together on the gospel, we're striving together for the faith of the gospel, for your faith, my faith, and for the faith of those that don't know Christ, and then we we talked about if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, uh, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection or compassion, then it says, you know, make my joy complete, Paul says. I mean, if we're going to have joy together as brothers and sisters in Christ, then then we have to make that joy complete by being of the same mind and the same love and united in spirit. And I love this, intent on one purpose. I mean, if you break the word of God down very simply here in Philippians, but even in from the very beginning after Adam and Eve sinned against God, the purpose was the gospel. The purpose was for God to save sinners. And the purpose of the church today is still the same. The gospel has to be proclaimed so sinners will be saved, but it has to be proclaimed so that you and I will live the way God wants us to live. And so there's one purpose in who we are as followers of Christ, and that's the gospel. And it's such a battle today, isn't it, for us to maintain the gospel? I mean, people, uh, they tug at us to do this and to tug at us to do that. And target us to have these different kind of ministries and have, you know, the ministries to meet physical needs. And I think we should. We have an oasis. We we hand out food every week. I think we should. But not without the gospel. I mean, what's the point? You feed them so they don't die, but you let them die and go to hell. Come on, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's got to be power in what we do. You know, when we go into the schools, uh, we go into the schools to share the gospel We don't go into the schools to play games with the kids. We want to play games with the kids. We want to sing with them. We want to have some fun. We want to love them. But to love them without sharing the gospel is not really love. It's just not as much as we want it to be. I mean, I've shared this before. I hear hear ridiculous things that Christians say, things like I've mentioned before, the ministry of presence. I'm just going to go be a Christian. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to confront. I'm not going to share what the Bible says because you know people don't want to hear it. I'm just going to be there. And I hope me being there is going to help them come to know Jesus. Well, It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's not possible. The Bible tells us it's not possible, and we know it's not possible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. It's not any other way are we going to share this salvation that we have. And yet, you know, so many times we just don't want the gospel to be our purpose. And, and when I counsel with people, it doesn't really matter what stage they're in. It doesn't really matter what I'm talking to them about. If their marriage is struggling, if it's premarital counseling, if I'm dealing with them when they're sick, if they've got family issues, if they've got children issues. I mean, the, the counsel is the same. What you need is the gospel. The gospel. Now, we may present it differently and apply it differently to our lives when we're going through these things, but man, broken families need to come to Christ Jesus and see him as Savior and know that he loves them and know that his salvation overcomes, know that his salvation will heal, know that his salvation will bring reconciliation. I mean, we've got to know the gospel, but we want to move away from the gospel to make our existence as peaceful and as easy and as unoffensive as it can be. But there is no love in that. There is no love in that. I mean, Beth and I were were talking about my sister, and I I mean, I love my sister, but the other day, the 4th of August, was the anniversary of her longtime uh, live-in boyfriend, 38 years, I think they lived together, he died suddenly, unexpectedly. And uh, so... You know, we. I texted my sister and told her I was thinking about her, praying for her, and I love her. And and, but we we were talking because we went back to Illinois here a month or so ago, and and uh, we saw her. I went out for supper with her and my parents, and you know I hadn't seen her. I hadn't seen her since since Dave died. So I gave her a hug, which (laughs) we're not really a huggy family, but you know Christ changes you a little bit, so. So I give my sister a hug, and that's really uncomfortable for her, and which is kind of enjoyable to me. <laughs> she's my sister, you know. But I did. I told her, man, sis, I'm praying for you, and I love you, and I want you to know God. I want you to know peace. And and uh, had supper with her and left. And she was supposed to come into my parents' house the next day and spend some time with us. She had some time off. And she didn't come. And uh, Beth and I were talking. I don't really know why. I mean, I don't know why. she's. It's hard for my sister to show emotions and so maybe I was just there and it made her emotional and she just couldn't deal with it this time. Um, but, but there's not really much doubt in my mind too that at least part of it was she didn't want me to talk to her about Jesus. She, she's pretty hard about it. And, and I'm not saying that to criticize my sister, man. I love her. And she's been through a lot. And I watched her suffer a lot. But part of that is I have the gospel I wanted to know Christ above all else. And so I can't not share Christ with her, I can't. I have to be wise in how I do it, when I do it, you know, what it looks like for me to do that because I'm still her brother and I'm her younger brother by a year, so, you know, (laughs) she doesn't give me a whole lot of credence, which is fine. But what that does for us sometimes when we're, battling through these things about the gospel, and we're even looking at the Word of God, and it's so clear in here now. it's not. This is not uh, ambiguous. This is clear about what God wants from us to focus, intent on one purpose, being the gospel. It's clear. We know when we do that, we're going to have times where our family won't come see us. We're going to have times where our coworkers don't appreciate us. We're going to have times where our neighbors, man, they... Every time you walk out the door, they shut the door. They don't, they don't want to talk with you because you're going to talk about Christ. But I want you to hear. I mean, I know we're not in our passage yet, but I, I want you to think about what we talked about last week because it's so important, right? Where it says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Though he was God... He didn't hold on to his rights as God and his glory as God and his position as God, but it says he emptied himself and took on the form of a man, became obedient like, as became a bondservant as a man, a slave as a man, and became obedient even to the point of death and death on a cross, an embarrassing cross. And he did that to save us. Guys, don't miss it. It's the the gospel right there. His purpose was to save us. His purpose was to save every single man and woman who would return from their sins and believe in him. His purpose was salvation. And if our attitude is to be like Christ's attitude, then our attitude is to be about seeing people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yes, it's nice to fix food for people, but they need Jesus it's nice to have sports camps, but sports camps without Christ are worthless. It's nice to have all the different ministries that we have, but without the gospel, they're not love and they're not powerful. And they're not life changing. I mean, this gospel that we're talking about needs to be precious to us because it is precious to the lost. Even when they don't know it and even when they deny it, it's precious to them because it's their one way of salvation, of life and forgiveness of sins. Man, the gospel has to be precious to us. And so we read this this passage last week about Jesus and his attitude and all that he gave for our salvation. And then we come to verse 12 and it says, "So So then, because of what Christ has done and his example for us, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I love this passage of Scripture. Work out your salvation. Now, I know some people, they kind of get, they claim they get confused about this. I don't know how you can get confused about this. Some people say, well, does that mean we have to earn our salvation by working for our salvation? The answer is no, that's not what that says there. Matter of fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 are pretty clear. Let me just read those so we're clear on that. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, what? Not as a result of works. God's word's clear. We aren't saved because we're working to earn our way. We're saved through faith by grace in Christ Jesus, right? But don't you love this? Again, The verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love the Bible. The Bible's true cover to cover. The Bible's true in every context. But I love the fact that here in Ephesians chapter 2 and in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is reminding us that once we are saved, then there is work for us to be done. There is work for us to do which God prepared beforehand. We are to work out our salvation. That means that the salvation that we have is to be displayed in how we live our lives. No matter what we say. And again, I don't know how it's possible not to other than rebelling against Jesus Christ. If the Holy Spirit is in us then we're going to be living for him. He's going to be speaking to us and changing us and calling us and moving us and using us. Because it's interesting, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, fear and trembling, they are, you know, they are almost taboo for us to speak of today. I mean, oh my goodness, don't talk to me about having to fear and tremble before a living God. My God My God's a nice God. My God, he would never hold anybody accountable. My God would never come and bring discipline into my life. My God would never bring any kind of struggles or suffering into my life. My God would make my life a piece of cake. Don't talk to me about fear and trembling. My God's not that God. Well, if that's your God, he's not God. Because it says, work out your salvation With fear and trembling, listen now, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Listen, the reason that we are called to work out our salvation is because God is at work in us and wants to work through us. Man, that's the cool thing. We are actually accountable to God through the Holy Spirit who lives in us to be about the work of God himself in this world. And we're not going to get away from it. So we might as well understand that while we do this thing, we know God has expectations of us. Did you miss that little word in verse 12? Just as you have always obeyed. How, we, we love that word, don't we? How many of you love to be obedient? Now as I look out, I see some people that are, how would I put them? Hmm. Not willingly obedient. Maybe reluctantly obedient. Or maybe, maybe just... Disobedient. I mean, there's a certain level of pride that we take in our disobedience. There's a certain level of pride that we take in our freedom to disobey. We, you know, we we have the right to disobey. We are, after all, Wyomingites, right? Nobody tells us what to do. Nobody tells us what to do. We'll do what we want to, God don't you tell me what to do no that's just that's just pride in our our sin and our disobedience when the gospel means something to us when Jesus Christ and his death for our salvation means something to us obedience is willing obedience is joyous obedience is freeing obedience brings worship obedience is amazing. We're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have accountability, but we shouldn't need that accountability. We should want that accountability. We should want to serve Jesus. It's an amazing thing to me when I, when I think about churches sometimes, you know, because sometimes there's just times in churches where it's tough to get anybody to serve anywhere. Quite honestly, right now at College Heights, we we need a ton of places for people to serve. We have a ton of places for people to serve. We have one good news club over in Southridge that we started last year that we don't know if we're going to get to do this year because we don't know if we have any workers to go back over there. And so people have said to me, well, you know, is this here? Is this there? And I don't know, but why not? We had the chance to go into a public school and share Christ with children and teachers in need. Why would we not just have tons of people going, let me, let let me, you know, we've had a, we've had a good news club out at uh, Evansville for quite a while. And we're always wondering if we're going to have enough workers each year. You know, we have a new ministry called trail life. We're starting for young men. It's kind of a boy scouts, but we're sharing Christ in it, in this level. And so we're going to need some people to step up in that, but you know, we're always wondering, well, we have enough people. We have enough workers, you know. We got an Awana ministry that's incredible and has been incredible for years and years and years. And, you know, the longer you do a ministry, the less important it becomes, right? Because you've done it before. Except that here you have children from... Two years old through sixth grade right now is what we have, and they memorize Scripture every week, and they have somebody teach them about the Bible every week. People love them and encourage them and teach them how to live and have character and respond to one another, and it's fantastic, but, man, every year we're, we're scrambling for workers. We have an oasis that, like I said, shares food every Thursday. We sometimes need workers in there, and I could go on and on. We need Sunday school teachers. We need people to start Bible studies in their home. We need, we need people to go on mission trips. We It's no lack of need in this church, right? We need second-level leaders that are going to step up and take initiative to do things that nobody's asking them to do because they love Jesus, and there's nobody filling those roles right now because there's nobody willing to take some initiative and see that God would have them step up. And guys, I'm not complaining. I really am not. It may sound like I am. I'm not. The whole point is, is that why not? Why not? Why would we need to have to scramble for workers when we should want to live out our salvation? Man, we have people tell me that I've never shared the gospel in my life and I don't really feel like it's my job to do that. Why not? We're about the gospel. Everything that we do is about the gospel. If we're not gonna do the gospel, we're not gonna do it. You know, I've had to tell people, if you're not gonna have the gospel in this thing, then we're not gonna do this thing. And they don't always like that. They get offended by that sometimes. It's just the way it's going to be because we have to be intent on one purpose, the gospel. And anytime we move away from it, we're in danger of moving way away from it. Because once you move away from the truth about Jesus saves, then there is no other salvation, so you might as well pick whatever you want to do. They all fit together man, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who is at work in us. And here's the exciting part to me. Now, when I talk about serving, I've heard all the different reasons why people tell me they don't serve. Most of the time, it's because they say they don't know enough. Most of the time, it's because they say it's not really their giftedness. Most of the time, they just say they can't do it. I don't have the ability to to do it. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you actually work out your salvation because God's at work in you, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see God. Our serving is not about what we can do. It's not about what we can accomplish. It's not about our glory. My son is preaching in Gillette this morning for uh, Josh Yelton, who used to be a, a member of our church, grew up in our church, is now pastoring a church in Wyoming. It's pretty exciting. And so my son hasn't preached a lot, so he comes by my house yesterday and And he just, we sat for a little while and I prayed with him. And and he just asked me, Dad, what would you say as I prepare to go? You know? And I said, Well, son, first of all, it's not about you. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. You're going to share the word of God. And if it's just you, if that's all you got, all your intelligence, all your preparation, all your whatever you've done, if that's it, it'll be nothing. Son, it'll be zero. So the first thing you do is you pray. You ask God, do something through me, Lord. And I said, son, then you've got to love. You've got to love the people you're preaching to. You've got to love the church. You've got to understand that this is the body of Christ that has this call on its life corporately that's going to change this world if you'll just ask God to make a difference in the church as a whole. You've got to go and you've got to sacrifice your life, son. I said it's one of the hardest things to do, to go into someplace cold where you don't know anybody in the place and just preach the gospel. And so who knows how they're going to respond. Maybe they'll respond well, maybe they'll respond poorly, but it doesn't matter. When you're done, get in the car, say thank you, Lord Jesus. Do what you need to do. Thank you for letting me serve and come home. Let it be about Christ. But so many of us we're not working on our salvation because we don't believe that God is working in us. We don't believe that God's going to do something through us. And so everything's about us and not about him. Step into something. When God gives you an opportunity to serve, step in and see if God won't work through you. Step in and see if God won't speak through you. Step in and see if God won't bring somebody to Christ. You know, I, was, I went to this camp the other day, uh, the FCA camp, and jc says to me hey will you kind of stay and and be available if kids want to you know talk to you about jesus and i i said yes and i said but jc man i i i don't have anything like i i have to have christ and he kind of said to me well i thought maybe to ask you about how you would do this i'm like don't ask me it makes me tremble so much i mean the thought of the the moment you have a chance to share with a kid about Jesus, it's the moment, right? It may not be the last moment, but it might be. And I'm supposed to somehow move this child to salvation? No, no, it's not me. Have I done this before? Do I know some words? Have I done some things that I understand? Yes, I, I do, but, but come on, we're talking about life and death. you got to step up by faith. If you're going to serve the Lord. And I tremble. I tremble every single time. I tremble every time I come to preach. I tremble. Lord, please don't let it be about me. And if it were about me, I'd have quit a long time ago. I'm not sufficient. Are you sufficient? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Knowing that God is at work in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's not about us. It's not about our pleasure. It's about him. He wants to work for his good pleasure. And it's so exciting to me to think that the gospel can impact us to that level. Man, Jesus saved me, so yep, I'm going to serve. It was interesting. Jacob told me, my son, he told me he was going to preach on Isaiah 6, right? Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and he realizes, man, he's a man of unclean lips and that he lives among a people of unclean lips. And he calls, woe is me, Right? And the angel comes and takes some some coals from the altar, and he touches his lips, and he cleanses him, makes him clean. And then the Lord says, who will go for us, and whom shall we send? And Isaiah goes, yeah, here I am. That's us. That's us when we know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. When he's made that difference in our life, we should be going, here I am. And it's such a joy to do that. And honestly, if you have served in the past out of joy, and you've lost that joy, Come back to the gospel. Come back and see Jesus again. And let Jesus restore that joy for you so that you can say again, yep, here I am. Lord, I want to go. And I want to go again. And I want to go again. And I want to go again. Because listen to what it says as we go a little further. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast the word of life. Man, I I love it. He brings us back to this heart attitude again. He brings us back to unity again. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. As you serve the Lord, as you work out your salvation, don't be grumbling about it. Don't be disputing over it. Just serve the Lord. Be together. Be in unity to do this thing. And man, that's not always so easy, is it? I know, I really don't hear a lot of grumbling. I really don't. In all honesty, I'm so thankful for College Heights. Man, we still have plenty of needs, but there's so many people that serve in so many gracious ways. And I used Rod as an example. He happens to be here again, so I'm gonna use him again. You know, Rod Roderick and his wife Janice have been members since, you know, Methuselah are sometime in there. And uh, such sweet spirits, if you don't know the Rodericks you should get to know them but I had a lady call so she needed some help and quite honestly I told her I'd try to help her and then I got busy and I didn't get back to her and like like six or seven days later she calls me again I'm like oh, I just failed this woman and I felt bad about it and I knew I wasn't gonna have time to get that done then so I called Rod and said here's this lady should have called him right away and I said here's this lady she needs help I don't really know all her story but will you check it out any he graces. he says, Of course I will. And, and I talked to him a few days later and man, they've helped her with some of the need, and he's talked to her about Jesus, and he's really just ministered deeply to this woman. As far as I know, there was no grumbling. And and I love that I have people I can call and talk to and that are gonna step up like that, but I have them all over the place. But there's always there's always some grumbling, at least sometimes for me. You know, I I I truly have times where I just just want to just stay home. I just want to stay home sometimes. I'm just busy. And so sometimes when I go, I grumble. But I got a, I got a text this morning from a dear friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, that, man, he's fantastic. He sent me a verse, and I can't remember the verse exactly, but something about just God consuming us. And uh, he says, so what that means is we need to be burned up for him. And so he says, let's burn. I gotta tell you, at 5.30 in the morning, that's encouraging. I want to burn, man, I do. I want to burn. I want to have passion. I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. We only have one life. And it's short. I mean, maybe I'm just rambling again like I did this morning. But I, I looked at this. I got this little copper plate that the Congolese had made for me. It says Reverend Michael on it. It's just a picture of my face. It's, it's scary. <clears throat> I keep it in my office for anybody that's too weird, and I just show it to them. They run away. But anyway, you can't really do gray and copper because it's either copper color or it's black but my beard was black. I was just sitting there thinking this morning, there was a day when my beard was dark. Some of you knew me then. I mean, it was dark. My hair was dark. It was just, you know, I was young. Now I'm not. That's not, that's not really so, so insignificant to me. I got a finish, right? I've crested. I don't know how far over the crest I've made it, but I'm over the crest, that's fine with me. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, don't want to go back anywhere along the line. Hallelujah, fantastic. But I want to finish. Man, I do. I want to be this guy that is consumed by Christ. I want to be this guy that gives my life for him. When I start to grumble, I have to realize I don't need to grumble about being busy. I don't need to grumble about not being home. I don't need to grumble about the hardships or whatever it costs me. It doesn't matter to me. I want to be serving my Savior. No grumbling. No disputing. Let's do this thing, right? Let's go because Christ has saved us. And I love what it says. It's so powerful. It says so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children above reproach. That's so important. The way we serve Jesus is important. We'll prove ourselves to be blameless and innocent above reproach. Why do we need that? Because we are witnesses in this world. Don't you know what it says? It goes on, it's so powerful here. Above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Man, I just had this guy call me this week, been doing this chaplaincy at the police department, and this is a police officer. He's not in the Casper PD anymore. He's kind of in the undercover stuff now. But I've known this, this young man for some years, and Man, I've watched him. I've watched him get right with Christ. I've watched his zeal just blow out. And he's reaching people and sharing the gospel. And so he called me and said, Pastor, can I have lunch with you? And I said, sure, and, or breakfast with you. And so we went to breakfast and he was just saying, how can I join you in ministering to the police? And he says, he says I have a, an, an entrance into their world that you don't have because I've walked in their shoes. And I said, man, absolutely. I said, I, I want to walk with you because I can, I can use your help. But I said... It's been very clear to me that God said, don't come anywhere near to the attitude of the police officers. Don't have any of this stuff that they have. Don't get to know them so well that that they think that you are like them and begin to live like them because they need me to be completely different. They don't need me to join in their stuff. They don't need me to, to have that jaded attitude. They don't need me to have that hard, cynical attitude, and they have it. Man, I pray you'll, I hope you'll pray for them. They need Christ. But, but I know God said to me, you be different. And it's hard to be different. I go into a briefing with these guys and I sit down and they don't talk to me. I have to get up and shake their hands if they're going to talk to me. And they don't know what to think about me. And they, every now and then they'll be like, chaplain, what do you think about that? Only they probably use more interesting language when they do. And all I know is that God has called me to be a light in a very, very dark place. But that's true of you too. This world's dark. It's crooked and it's perverse. And you and I have to live in a way and love Jesus to the extent that we shine like lights in this crooked and perverse world. Yes, we're going to be different. Yes, it's going to cost us. Yes, there's going to be consequences. Yes, your family's going to separate from you. Your friends are going to separate from you. People are going to mock you. They're going to tease you. They could persecute you. They could even take your life depending on where you are in this world. But it's still worth it. The gospel's worth it. And why be afraid? What can they take from you? If for some reason they would take your life, you still live. Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and he who believes in me will live and never die. Do you believe that? You better believe that. That's the gospel, right? He saves us, he overcomes, and we don't have to be afraid anymore. Man, we need to be this generation that lives for Jesus because of the gospel and how it's impacted our lives and be unashamed in it. And I love what it says as you go on into the verse 16. It says, holding fast the word of life. How we serve the Lord impacts how we hold fast, hold forth, hold up, hold out the word of God. Listen, you and I our testimonies are bound to the gospel. The gospel transforms us. You know, I was riding along with one of these guys the other day, and he was just talking about stuff he talks about, and I just literally said to him, I said, I don't have any interest in that anymore. I just don't have any interest in that anymore. I, I did that. And it was ugly, and it was sinful, and then Christ changed my life. And he was like, we're good for you. didn't respond too much to it, but, but how am I supposed to hold forth the Word of God if I'm living like they are, if I'm not letting the gospel penetrate me and impact the way I think, the way I live? Man, we are not called to be like the world. We're not called to think like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. We are called to be set apart so that we can be lights in this crooked and perverse generation so that we can hold forth the Word of God. This young man that was with me at breakfast the other day, we were just talking about impact and how hard these guys are to reach and all these different things. And I told him, I said, man, here's the deal. It all goes back to telling the word of God, sharing the word of God. They need the word of God. Let's hold out the word of God. And this guy said, amen, let's go. And how powerful is it that we can actually see, actually see that this thing changes lives it does when you share it it changes lives but we aren't going to share it if Christ hasn't changed us we're not going to share it if the gospel is not a part of our life every day we're not going to share it if we're not excited about Jesus every day every day we got to get the gospel in us and then he finishes and I love this in verse 16 so that in the day of Christ Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And what he's saying to them is, you got to work out your salvation or the gospel is ineffective. If you, he says to the church at Philippi, aren't living out the gospel, aren't working out your salvation, then what I did in my ministry towards you was vain. It was empty. It was worthless. And then that's, that's a painful verse for me sometimes because man, it's hard to preach and preach and preach and teach and teach and teach and, teach and then wonder sometimes, is anybody listening? Is there any fruit of the labor? And, and there is, but sometimes, uh, man, you can get discouraged doing this stuff. And it shouldn't be true of any of us. Yeah, sometimes there's dry times. If you're a teacher, you know sometimes you wonder if you're making any difference. Pastor, doesn't matter if you're witnessing to a friend. Sometimes you wonder if it's making any difference whatsoever. Well, the way we know the gospel makes a difference is when people's lives are transformed by Christ and they live it out. And then you go, oh, yeah, that's such a powerful difference. Josh Yelton, pastoring at church in Gillette, started coming to church when he was about 11, just a little tyke. Now he's living out the gospel, and you're like, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's incredible, right? Well, he finishes up, and I love this because it's a sweet little encouragement. So but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. And all he's saying is, is, you know, I'm in prison while I write this letter to you. If that means I'm gonna pour out my life as a sacrifice, and don't you love this upon the sacrifice and service of your faith? If I'm pouring out my life as an example to encourage you as you sacrifice your life for Christ, I rejoice. I'm not sorry because I am here to encourage you to live your life for Jesus. And he says to them, You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So rejoice when you're pointing out your life as a sacrifice that it might encourage somebody else. And isn't that awesome? Isn't it an awesome way to kind of end a sermon that says, Work out your salvation? We're in this together. Man, when you serve faithfully and you sacrifice faithfully without grumbling or complaining, you encourage me. Hopefully when I serve faithfully without grumbling and complaining, I encourage you. And if that means going to Mexico, like some of our team here went last week and they were getting up and being at devotions at 7 o'clock in the morning and they were going to bed, supposedly lights out at 11, which means they went to bed maybe at 12 (laughs) and they're doing that over and over in a culture where you don't speak the language fully and where you don't understand the culture and you just don't sleep very well all the time and you're just like, I am worn to the bone. If that's what that means, hallelujah, pour it out, pour it out. Now let it be. If that means going to your neighbor that doesn't like you and mowing their yard or, or talking to them about Jesus or praying for them, pour it out. If that means going, and I don't care, you pick you know, you have it. Go pour it out. We encourage each other as we do this thing. Let's work out our salvation. It's salvation. It's salvation. We're forgiven. We're made new. We're children of God. We're sealed in the spirit. We're kept for the, the inheritance that's reserved for us in heaven by God. It's incredibly, incredible to be saved. Let's work it out. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's salvation. It's everything. He died for you. He rose again. All who believe in him, the Bible says, will be saved. All. And today you can know him. We're about to do the Lord's Supper. Pastor Max is about to come up here. And we're going to take some bread. it's a reminder that that Jesus' body was broken and he died on the cross. We're gonna take some juice and it's a reminder that he shed his blood for us. He did it for us. We proclaim his death until he comes. And don't miss this. Christ is worth it. The gospel is worth it. Let's work out our salvation. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace that you have shown us. Thank you for the gospel. It's the only gospel good news. There's some temporary good news. There's some minor good news, but there's nothing that saves but the gospel. For those that don't know you here today, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would believe in Jesus, that they believe he died and rose again, and that they would confess him as Lord. And I pray for those of us who are believers, who needed an encouragement, who needed to hear the truth again, who need to be reminded to work out our salvation. I pray that we would be just that, encouraged, and go back at it. Never sorry and never growing weary. Let us serve you for your glory, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Um, your servants are going to come up here and begin to pass uh, these elements out and you 're going to find that there are two cups together you 'll need both of them. the bottom one contains the bread top one has the juice uh, this this week preparing for this, you can go ahead and begin to you can go ahead and begin to pass them out this week as I was preparing for this, God put on my heart. Hebrews chapter 12. And it's so fitting with with this sermon that we've just been through, God's word together. I want you to listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He goes on to talk about the discipline that God will bring us so that we can be sure to continue to live out and speak out and share and give the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our encouragement is looking at the cross, looking at the body and the blood, which is represented by these two elements. And so then as we, we read and we see that Jesus had gathered with his disciples for the Passover to celebrate what God had done in delivering his people, um, as he still does, as they celebrated We read out of Luke chapter 22. Verse 14, it says, When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread. In just a moment, we're going to take the bread and we're going to recognize that, as Pastor Mike said, it represents the body of Christ. The Lamb of God, without sin, gave himself for us and took upon himself our sin. Looking all through the ages, forwards and backwards to you and to me, he took our sin. And everybody receive... He took our sin upon himself, having no sin of his own. He looked down from the cross, and you remember what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so, with gratitude, we will take this bread. Ed Smith, would you lead us in a prayer of thanks? Body of Christ.
0: And when I think
4: that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it. All. That on the cross My burden gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin Then sings my soul soul my Savior, God, to me How great Thou art How great Thou
3: art He took the bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Rod, would you lead us in prayer? of Thanks. Okay. Father, I thank you for making that great sacrifice you did by allowing your son to be blood on the cross so that we would establish a new covenant that came through him
1: so that we can spend eternity with you.
3: Father we thank you for the gift that you gave to us. the blood of Christ. Would you stand with me as we sing this last verse?
4: I shall come with shout of acclamation, and take me home, what joy shall fill.
3: you for the gospel. Thank you for your son. Thank you for salvation. We pray this in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.